You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. This episode of Uncorking a Story is brought to you by Mike Carlin's novel, Motel California. You can purchase Motel California at Amazon.com or wherever books are sold online. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Uncorking a Story. I'm your host, Mike Carlin, and today I'm excited to share my interview with a woman who's had a tremendous impact on my life, Diane O'Connell. And I'll get to that in a few minutes. But first, how's everyone doing? Are you healthy? Are you staying six feet apart from your fellow humans? I mean, that's easier to do in my house now that everybody's getting on everyone else's nerves. I heard phrases like, you're chewing too loud, and can you please breathe somewhere else? And those were from the dogs. Anyway, we can get through it. We can do it. Uh, Don't forget your sense of humor that comes in very handy in times like this. Okay, so the other night, I slept with the windows open because it was raining outside and and the sound of the rain is comforting to me. Isn't isn't it great that you know that now? Uh, But, you know, it it is. I enjoy it. It it helps me sleep. Um, The flip side of that is in the morning, (laughs) I was awoken by birds singing. And, And normally that would make me happy because it's a it's a sure sign that spring is in the air. But after a week of selective isolation, I wanted to shoot every single one of those damn birds and make like a Game of Thrones uh, pigeon pie from them. And that's not me. You know, I'm usually a happy guy. And that's when I knew that I needed to pick me up a little pep talk. And who better to give that pep talk than the heart and soul of my old high school, Diane O'Connell. Mrs. O'Connell was a constant source of happiness and reassurance for those of us who were fortunate enough to walk through the halls of Catholic High. And if you think about it, over those four years, we we all grow up so much, you know, both physically, emotionally, and Diane was always there to lend an ear and offer some advice. And, and you'll hear her in the course of this interview say things like, you know, kids would just come into the office and say, oh, guess what? And then they'd share some piece of news with her. Well, I was one of those kids, and uh, I know that I shared too much, Um, and thankfully she didn't bring that up during the course of our conversation. After I graduated uh, from that uh, wonderful school in 1992, uh, she and I would trade letters, like actual handwritten letters. I mean, again, this is back in the days before email was popular. Uh, So we'd write, you know, handwritten letters to and from each other. Um, That's the kind of impact she had on my life. Like, I wanted to keep in touch with her after I graduated, and I'd always pop in um, when, whenever I had a break from school. And you'll hear her say in the course of this interview how Thanksgiving was the first of many best days of the year for her because all of her, her kids, all of her kids would come home. And when she'd ask them why they kept coming back to the school, they'd always reply because it feels like home. And uh, she's a big reason. She's a big part of, of why Catholic High felt like home. 
I initially wanted to record this conversation as a way of cheering up the senior class, the class of 2020. I have three, three kids in the class of 2020. I have triplets, uh, for those of you who don't know. And um, they're, they're kind of down because, you know, a lot of their key milestones are in question. You know, what's going to happen with prom? Are we going to be able to graduate? Um, you know, father-daughter dances, award ceremonies, all that stuff is uh, there's a big question mark around that. But but it got me to thinking, um, why just limit this conversation to the class of 2020? Because Diane has touched so many lives. Wouldn't other people want to hear her story? So here it is. I'm going to share it with everyone who wants to listen. And now without any further interruptions or ramblings from me, here's my interview with the one and only Diane O'Connell. walked in in 1986 to pick up my daughter's uniform because in those days you did that and I was on my way to the Italian center I think this is a funny story considering I dressed for this morning's occasion I put on my pearl earrings and my pearl necklace as I do probably every day for the past 50 years um so there I was on my way to the Italian center in my flip-flops my bathing suit and my cover-up and I walked into the lobby to pick up uh, Alicia's uniform and there was a little sign that said um, secretary for main office so I saw the secretary who was in there at the moment I said you know I'd be very interested in that position so I said uh, she said okay let me go in and tell the principal I said no 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 let me go home and change with that the principal walked out it was sister Judith at the time she comes walking out and um the lady who was there said, sister, this woman would like to um, uh, interview for the position. And I said, well, sister, let me just run home and I'll change and I'll be right back. She said, no, 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 you don't have to do that. You can just come in. So me, knowing me, Mike, interviewed in my bathing suit, flip-flops, and cover-up. <laughs> that, August of 1986. And, well, clearly you got the job. Um, clearly I so let that be, I was going to say, let that be a lesson to you kids. Uh, you don't necessarily have to dress for success. <laughs> You're absolutely right. It helps. But, you know, at that day, it was just sort of, I was in the right place at the right time. So that, so that's August. And then you start immediately. I mean, are you, are you sitting in, in the main we, office a week later? At, I had been working at Ripalom in Title I Reading. And um, so I immediately went right over to my job at Ripalom and I said, I'm very sorry, but I'm giving you two weeks notice. No, 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 you can't do that. I said, but I, I found my dream job, so I'm leaving. So two weeks later, I started right at the beginning of the school year, knowing nothing, absolutely nothing about the, that type of a job. So it was a little hard my first two years. I was so intimidated with the, with the football team because they used to all hang out in the lobby. And to me, they were like men. They were big, big football players at the time. Milo CC, I know, was a big deal at the time. I didn't know him at all. But they were like men. Well, he actually had a full-face beard because it was still August when he came in. So he still had this full-face beard. And I go, oh, I was terrified. But I got to I got used to it. It took me about two years, but I got used to it. <laughs> I have to. I have to go back to something you said because when you when you gave your notice to uh, the people at Ripperwam, you said you found your dream job. How did you know after one interview that the main office secretary position 
at then Stanford Catholic High School was your dream job. How did you know? I had always, always, always wanted to be a teacher. But back when I was growing up, my father said to me, Diane, the money has to go for your brothers. We can't afford to send you to college. And Diane, somebody, some man will take care of you, quote unquote, take care of you. So uh, you don't have to go to college. Your brothers have to go to college because they're the ones that are going to be taking care of their family. I hated that all the time. I hated that he said that to me because thought that was what it was at the time. Way back when in 1966, many girls, of course, did go. But we were not wealthy at all. So that was the way it was in my family. Um, that was it. So I got this job in school with kids that I eventually loved and people that I knew. And both of my kids were there and they weren't too thrilled with it at the beginning. I remember one day when my younger daughter was skipping to the office to tell me that she got a 98 on a test. And I jumped up and I hugged her. Mom, no hugging. So I, I learned from then on, you don't hug in the school. You wait until after you're outside the school. So did you um, did you grow up here in Stanford? I, I don't even know. Did you? Uh... St. John's School downtown. Wow. Okay. And actually, husband and I, um, we both went all through St. John's School, and um, then I went to Ripollam, and he spent two years at Catholic High and two years at Ripollam. Okay. Well, excuse me. Back then, it was it was nine, ten, it was ten, eleven, twelve. He was ninth grade. I went to Burdick for one year and leaving Burdick to go to, um, I mean, leaving uh, St. John's school to go to Burdick was quite a, a traumatic thing for me because I was Catholic school girl all the way. And then to go to Burdick, I would stand up every single time somebody walked into the classroom because it was always nuns and priests. So then when I went to Burdick, I stood up every time somebody walked in and I looked kind of foolish. So I had a lot of learn, a lot of things to learn. <laughs> No, no doubt. So you, you graduate from Ripawam. So what did you do after graduating high school? I was working at Dora Oliver Engineering, which is now gone, but I worked there for, uh, from graduation until we got married. I got married when we were 21 and we had our first baby at 22 and then the second at 24. That's the way things were then. Wow. <laughs> and of then I sent my two girls to Catholic school. First, they went to St. Bridget's, and then that closed. And then they went to St. Cecilia's, and then to St. Gabriel's, and then to Catholic High. Now, that was, uh, that was the track that uh, me and, uh, and uh, Brother Jimmy did, um, St. Cecilia's, uh, St. Gabriel's, and, and Catholic High. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it turned out okay and for I... us. Pardon me? I said, I think we turned out okay. I think you did. I really think you did. Mike, I want you to know, I just think the world of you, I loved your mother and father. They were wonderful. You and your brother were just, you meant the world to me. I used to, I enjoyed you every afternoon. You'd stop by no matter what, when it was just to say hello to me. And we chatted every day and then Nick was part of the group. And then theater became a major deal with, with you guys. And I had always loved it. So I was fortunate enough that you let me in. You know what I mean? You all, that's what I love. You all let me in like prom night. I swear is the happiest night of the year for me. You let me in. I, I don't impose myself or I try not to, but I always, you know, let's take a picture. Let's take a picture. That stuff meant the world to me that I was let into your world 
hopefully not imposing, but just loving. <laughs> well, that was, you know, it's, it's one of those, um, one of those things where I, I would always refer to you, um, as the, the heart and soul of, of Catholic high, uh, you know, either you or Ernie Borsier, like <laughs> one or the other, yeah. but, uh, um, well, I mean, if, if you could think of uh, some of your fond memories of the school, um, what, what are some of the first ones that come to mind? Don't, don't dwell on it too much, but just if I ask you to think of a fond memory, the first thing that comes to mind is what? Rashmel winning, winning the NCAA championship back in 1999. There, I can't even begin to tell you. Rashmel Jones came in, this little skinny kid, and he, I heard about him, and I've always, always been a basketball fan. He walked in, and um, every single time he walked into my office, he had a basketball in his hand. He'd walk into the office, could you hold my basketball? I'd hold it for the day. Lunchtime, he came in, he'd, he'd shoot foul shots for a while. Then he'd, then he'd bring the ball back, and then when school was over, he'd immediately come in, get the ball, and go down and shoot foul shots. And I said, oh, my word, this kid looks really good. So what I did was the first game I went, well, this skinny little kid, Actually, I, I can't remember whether Mike started him or not, but he, he got he either came off the bench or he started. This little ninth grader got 27 points his first game. And then I watched him and I started going to all the games and going and going and going. I, I think I went to 94 straight games those, over his course of his years. And then when he was recruited by UConn, oh, my God, I went ballistic. And one cute, funny story that I will always remember, we went up to see him at one of his games. And it was a, a snowing and um, there was no parking anywhere. So my husband went round and round and round and round and we were going crazy because the game had started. So I said, Glenn, let me try this. So I said, let me out of the car. So I went over to some of the kids that were standing there doing parking. And I said, I need a favor, guys. I really need a favor. I am here to see Rashmel Jones. I am his school secretary and he and he, I have reserve seats. He got me reserve seats. Can you please help? Help me out. Oh, of course. They lifted up a chain. You park right here. Oh, I was like, who am I? I felt like, oh, can you believe it? They actually had a spot for me because, you know, I knew somebody. I felt 10 feet tall. <laughs> so what I did, we went in and, and after the game, he came over and it was like so thrilling. But then they went to the to the big dance and I bet uh, I bet on him and everything. It was so exciting. My husband actually went down. I can't remember where it was, but uh, at the end of the game, I'm jumping up and down, jumping. Up, come on, Raj, come on, Raj, come on, Raj. And um, he had the ball in his hand. And I think it was try. I can't remember the kid's name. I'll think about it when I get off the phone. But anyway, uh, the kid was on the floor. Rosh took the ball and threw it way, way up in the sky. And they won the game. And I was like screaming. I think my whole entire neighborhood heard me. And I also won $500, which I said, God, I'll give you half. If you let the team win, I'll give you half of whatever I win. So God got some money on me and I got the rest. Well, I didn't realize you were a degenerate gambler, but I guess I learned something new every day. I never did that in my life, and I've never done it since, but it was worth every t uh, I think I put $2 down, and I got 500 big ones. <laughs> so, it, you know, I saw Rashmael last year. He came to the gala, so I would MC the gala for uh, for Catholic High every year. Um, mm -hmm. And he, uh, he was there because we were uh, honoring uh, Coach Walsh. And uh, so he uh, he was there. 
and I got to catch up with him for a little bit. Such a such a nice guy and such a down to earth guy. Um, Very one. Did you know that he when when he was a little kid, he stood on Christmas night and watched his house burn to the ground. I mean, when, when he had nothing. I mean, he had nothing, and he came back and he did a good job. He really did. Well, I uh, I remember that game that 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 when they won in '99 because I, as you know, am a proud UConn Husky, and I do. Uh, that's where I met uh, the lovely Nicole. And um, I know that. And who I love. I met her. I've told you that a million times, but I met her and I said, she's the one for you. I, I thought she was just so special. And every time I read something she writes, I know that she was very special. Well, we, um, I, but in 1999, uh, I was three years into my career at that point. Cause I graduated UConn in 96 and mm-hmm. my, my boss at the time, this guy, John Nardone, um, he's a big muckety muck in, uh, in the media industry but, uh, you know, he and I had a, a, had a little friendly wager because he is a Duke grad. And, uh, uh, oh. <laughs> you know, I'm not a, a Duke fan at all. Well, many of us, many of us who are proud UConn Huskies don't really like Duke all that much. But he, uh, he you know, we, we had a little friendly wager uh, on the game. Uh, it was I think lunch was on the line and uh, he had to take me out to lunch and um I didn't gloat because I was, uh, you know, I was smart not to gloat back then because, you know, he, yeah, uh, yeah. he was the boss. But um, I remember that. I got 99 was a great, uh, a great year for us it, Huskies. It definitely was. And the funny thing is, anytime, just to let you know, anytime any mail came in for Duke, from Duke, for no matter what player it was, after I jumped, I first of all, I would throw it on the ground, and then I would jump on it about 25 times, and then I'd put it in Mike Walsh's mailbox, because Duke was definitely not my favorite school. So just to let <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's funny. So, but, I mean, you know, it, it, walking by the main office, and, and it, it's, you know, I, I've, you know, been involved with the school. Um, I mean, I feel like I never left. I, I, w- I would always come in to, to visit, say hi. You and I would trade letters. Uh, I don't know if you remember when I was in college, but we'd actually write handwritten letters. I would prank, I know it. I would prank you every now and then on the telephone. I never knew that. I, that's something I never knew. Oh, no, I used to get you. But um, the one thing that has been constant, because now my kids obviously uh, go, go to the school and, and have gone all four years, I've always noticed um, when you were there, Kids, things don't change. Kids are always popping in to say hi to you throughout the course of the day. Um, Why do you suppose that is? I want them to feel they have a friend. There's always somebody they could talk to. It's not easy being a kid anymore. It really isn't. There's so many things. I look back to my days. Life was easy. It was funny. Yesterday, Mr. Um, Carrigan sent me uh, a, an old recording of Johnny Angel, which she, it was by Shelley Fabre, who this was in the 60s. And um, I wrote back to him and I said, life was so easy, so simple, so pure and innocent. And I would go home from school. My mother would have a bowl of soup for me. I'd change out of my uniform and then I'd put on, um, you know, put on my play clothes, like Brother Cletus used to say, put on your play togs. And I would just sit and do my homework and play with my baby brother or go and hang out with my friends up the street. Um, Life was easy. There were no problems. Now it's tough. I mean, getting into the right school 
um, the homework, the computer work, just everything is everything is fast paced. I know my own granddaughter goes to ballet four days a week. She's got choir. I don't know how kids keep up with all the things, but yet I do realize just by looking over all the years that the kids that are involved in so many things, they seem to do the best in school. I mean, the kids are in theater. They also were in AP classes. I don't know how they do it. I mean, they'll have four and five AP classes and then go in the auditorium and have three and a half hours of play practice. I don't know how they do it, but they always told me they had to budget their time and they do do it. But um, I always wanted the kids to feel they had a friend. And as I got to know them more and more and more, the best thing I ever recall, or some of the best things, oh, guess what? Oh, guess what, Mrs. O'Connell made me happy. And I'd say, what, what? My mother's going to have a baby. I could die of embarrassment, but I'm so excited. Or guess what? I'm going to get my license. Or guess what? So-and-so invited me to the prom. All these things that were so exciting for them. One of my happiest memories was an old couple came in, or to me at the time, I think it was my first year, they looked older to me. Well, their daughter got a big envelope. And this was, um, I think it was a couple from Italy. And this was the first child that actually was uh, graduating from high school. Um, so to them, it was a major deal. She was a senior. They walked in with an envelope from UConn. And um, they, they said, could you please call my daughter to the office, which I did. And they said, here it is. I mean, the mother and father were crying. Imagine my daughter is going to go to college. They said, well, hopefully this is an acceptance, you know. So she opened it up. The daughter started crying. She said, I got a four-year scholarship, Mom. I got a four. So they're crying. I'm crying. All these happy things, you know, made me so happy. So I think because I cared about them, and like I've said before, I didn't have to say your skirt is too short. I didn't have to holler at them because they didn't uh, bring in their, their homework. I didn't have to complain about anything. All I had to do was love them. And I did. God, did I love them. I missed them. This year of retirement has been nice because I get to sleep late. But that's about the only thing. I miss my kids every single solitary day. I just miss them a lot. <laughs> well, I think about, you know, because um, I work, I've been working in marketing for a long time. And, um, you know, there, there's there's something that we always, you know, would say is that, you know, you have to have, if you're if you're a brand, you have to have you have to give your customers positive experiences at every point of contact you know so when they see you on the shelf you've got to have a, a good first impression when they when they take your product home and they open it it's got to be you know it's got to be a, a, a i don't want to say pleasurable experience but you know you want to remove as many roadblocks as you can for them and give them a positive experience at every point of contact now from from a parent's perspective the first point of contact at Trinity or Stanford Catholic High School is the main office. That's where you go first. You have to to report in to the main office. And who's waiting for you at the main office or who was waiting for you? But but Diane O'Connell, you, you were so for for so many people, the first point of contact people had with the school. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've heard no one ever say anything but. Wow, that that woman's amazing, and you uh, are. Well, thank you, thank you. 
I appreciate that. I wanted people to feel welcome. I wanted them to feel that they were coming to a, a home, home-like situation. I never wanted to be cranky or crabby because that's not the first impression. I tried very hard to always look as good as I could. I kind of grew up with that in my house. You always dress, but basically you always dress for success, but you always always should be the best you can be. I always, plus I also love to dress. I love pretty clothes and I love pretty shoes and pretty pocketbooks. I love that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm a girly girl to the 10th millionth degree. Um, so I just wanted it to be like, a, if I could have, I would have said, let's sit down and have tea, all of us. <laughs> I just enjoyed it. I wanted it to be like a home. And whenever I, the kids would come home, the first time they would come home would be Thanksgiving. To me, it was the happiest day of the year or the first happiest day of the year because they were coming home with like all my kids were coming home and it was hugs and kisses. And fortunately, we were lucky enough that we could hug and kiss without any weird weirdness about it. It was just a loving, oh, you're home. And I would say to them all the time, what makes you so happy to be here? Because we feel like we're coming home. That's what I wanted them to feel like. I'm in a warm, protected loving place. I wanted them to feel happy. And I tried every single day that I was there to make them feel that way. So now that um, you have retired, um, which uh, is a, a wonderful thing, a great accomplishment. Um, how do you, how do you keep yourself busy? And, and, you know, when we're not, <laughs> when we're not quarantined and, and when we're not socially isolating ourselves from each other, which for extroverts, um, like myself, it's a, it's a bit challenging, but, um, how, how do you keep yourself uh, busy these days? Let me just tell you, it's very challenging me being home. I'm just not used to it. I don't like it. I, I realize I am very much a people person. I mean, there's only so much Glenn and I, we celebrated our 50th anniversary last year. I think we've said it all at this point, <laughs> but what I've done is I, um, talk, I'm online a lot. I, I don't know if you know, but every single Thursday I do a, um, think back Thursday. Yes. I've seen that. And I kind of just pick fun things that happen with what seems applicable at the school year time. And um, I do that and I, I'm getting great enjoyment out of that because I'm hearing from so many kids of the past and it just it makes me so, so happy. But other than that, I'm doing I'm walking a little bit, not much because I'm not a major walker. And since I had knee surgery, I'm always afraid I'm going to trip. But any, anyway, I'm doing um, Zumba, which I absolutely love. I love it. And then on Mondays, I have an exercise class, which I do then, and going to the library. I'm reading and reading and reading and reading. And um, I'm actually, Pete, uh, Pete um, Stokes told me there was this very, very good book, um, The Tattooist of Auschwitz, which I read. And I absolutely love it. So I've been kind of reading Holocaust books, not very exciting, but extremely interesting and very sad and bittersweet. And so I, I've been doing a lot, a lot of reading, but now you can't go to the library. I got five books last week and I think I read them in five days. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of what I'm doing. Well, as you not know, exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, as you know, reading is something near and dear to my heart. Really? Well, well, what am I saying? Did you do you want a little plug for your book that I absolutely love? I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a shameless self-promoter, Mrs. O'Connell, so you could plug away. <laughs> well, I just absolutely. You know what I love there? I 
the sweetness of them. I have to tell you the one that I, I've never read it because I just, you know, which one I'm talking about. <laughs> can't read it because it's not, I just can't. I actually, I can't get it. That's the reason I said during this time, I'll read it. You know, the one I'm talking oh, about. I know the one you're the talking F- about. Yes. So, uh, but I'm still telling you the 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 cork one is still on. How has that go? What was it? Oh, uncorking, un, un, uncorking a murder. Yes, that is still my favorite. I don't know whether it's because it was the first, and I went, oh, and I and I had to go back to the where I I sort of missed what the whole point was and reread it. I love your books. I can't. I'm so looking forward to the next one. It's they're fun, and I like. There's like the little references, like to Fairfield Prep, and and just different little things that I'm enjoying very much about them. And your brother's name was in there, and you let me be Jimmy's mother, and oh, it's just wonderful. Then you. Did dedicated the book to me, which I think every person in the United States of America got a copy of the little blurb where you talked about me. Um, you've made me proud, honey. You've made me proud. <laughs> it, it would actually make me very happy if everybody in the United States of America got a copy of that book. But um... I just don't understand what they're waiting for. But to a little side note, my brother's wife, my sister-in-law, has been writing and writing and writing all kinds of books or stories and hoping to get them accepted. She's gotten nowhere. So you've done way better than she has. She's getting nowhere. She keeps sending them in and uh, what's it called? Approval, whatever. Nothing. Thanks very much, but no thanks type of thing. So it's not as easy as we might think it is. Is it Mike? (laughs) Well, it is. You have to be prepared for a lot of rejection, but fortunately my high school years prepared me for a lot of rejection. So. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. Um, that's my, that's my attempt at uh, self-deprecation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, this has been a fun catch-up, Mrs. O'Connell. It has. Yes, it has. And I'm not nervous. I was very nervous. Like I said to you, I'm, I'm not one that can talk in front of groups. I, like I said, I'm golden one-on-one, but I'm tinfoil in front of a group. I kind of fizzle down into nothingness. I'm not good about that. But I really, I just want to say working at Trinity Catholic and Stanford Catholic was a true gift to me. I, I said many times if I could have afforded it, I would have I wouldn't have even accepted a, a paycheck. I love you kids so much. I mean I said to my husband so many times I could have adopted hundreds of kids. I love you all. It was my dream, dream job. I was so happy there. I'm not saying every day was a picnic, but so many wonderful, wonderful memories, all the to me, the basketball, all the basketball championships, like way back when I used to go and even to track meets and, uh, excuse me, cross country and track and different, we didn't have track, but cross country things. And I would go to, we would go way far away when we were winning the baseball games. And it was just, I met hundreds and hundreds of kids that, that mean the world to me. Seeing John Schofield and Jamie Bruno at the um, Brian Bill award, a ceremony the other day, John Schofield, Oh, I adore John Schofield. He is a wonderful, wonderful, he was a wonderful student, a wonderful friend to me. I remember when I saw him for the first time, he was probably five feet tall with these great big glasses on. And I said, hi, what's your name? And he said, oh, I'm John Schofield. And he was this little high-pitched voice, little boy. And then he became the, the football um 
a captain and the hockey captain. Then he went on to, on his way to the Air Force Academy, and we went all the way down to visit him. But because he was a freshman, they wouldn't allow us to visit him. And, oh, I was devastated. But John, I have so many wonderful memories of him, and now he's such a noble and wonderful, wonderful man. I just, I'm just thrilled. And that I know him and I'm honored to be his friend as I am yours. You know, I, I think the world of you and I love what you have done with your kids, what you've done with them. They are such, everybody loves them. They're wonderful, kind, good, good kids. You should be so proud as I am of you and I, have, I am of them. Well, we are, we are very proud of them and uh, very thankful for you and, and uh, your presence throughout the Trinity slash Stanford Catholic High School community uh, over the course of your career. It would, that place would not have been the same if it, if it were not for you. Well, I thank you for that from the bottom of my heart. <laughs> and as we part, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched Jerry Springer, but um, he does this uh, final thought at the end of his, uh, his shows. And I'm wondering, do you have a final thought for the class of 2020 that you'd like to share? Dear high school seniors of 2020, I know probably many of you have seen this, but I saw it and I thought it was very applicable for these times. You were born when the world was grieving over 9-11, and you are graduating as the world grieves the pandemic. Although your two biggest launches into freedom, birth and graduation, have taken place in the midst of tragedies, just know that the world is an amazing, loving, beautiful place. And it is waiting for you with open arms. We grieve with you. That your senior year is ending this way. But we can't wait to see how you overcome and soar. You were made for this. Love from all the senior parents who are going through this with you. And all of us who know and understand what you're going through. It, it breaks my heart for you. It, it's an awful thing for you, but hopefully you'll, you, not hopefully, you definitely will get through with this. You know what? I was talking to Mrs. Egan yesterday, and she, her and I are thinking about maybe having a little get-together in the Catholic High parking lot to have lunch. A couple of us are going to sit in our cars, or we're going to sit close enough but yet far enough from one another so that we can kind of see each other, scream out the window to each other. We thought that might be a fun thing to do one day. So we're thinking about that. Maybe prom night, you can all get in your cars individually, not with your, with your date, but maybe you can, the girls can get out and show their gowns because you know everybody wants to see your gown. And I'll be right there looking at the gowns too if anybody decides to do this. But, you know, make sure that you keep in touch with one another. When you go to school, keep in touch with one another because our little community, our little group is so important and there's so much love. And most of you have grown up probably since kindergarten with each other. And enjoy each other and love each other and know that you are so terribly, not terribly, beautifully loved. You're loved by all of us, your parents and all of us who, whether we're there or not, all of your teachers, we as the teachers, and they let me come, uh, like meet every so often for coffee. And, and we have such a good time. And there's no bitterness. There's no anger. There's absolute love of the school and love of one another and love of all you kids. So please know that you're loved, and we feel just as bad for you as you do for yourself, and rightfully so. Well, I, so. Can't, I can't think of a better message to end it on than that. 
So thank you. And thank you, Mike, for everything you've done for me and the joy you've brought to me for many, many years. Thank you, honey. And thank you. Well, there you have it. That's my interview with the one and only Diane O'Connell, heart and soul of Catholic High. Now, if you want to get in touch with Diane, she is very active on Facebook. Just uh, search her up, Diane O'Connell. I'm sure that she will accept your friend request. Um, And if you want to learn anything more about me and my books, uh, I know uh, Mrs. O'Connell was was kind enough to give me a plug. Uh, You can go to MikeCarlin.com. That's uh, Carlin with an O and not an I. That always throws people off. And, uh, yeah, look it up. Uh, there's, there's six of them out there. Number seven's coming out soon. And, uh, look, let's all, let's all get through this uh, period of, of uncertainty together. Let's remember to laugh. Uh, let's, let's build each other up and ask how we can help versus criticize. That's, that's the one thing that drives me nuts during times like this is there's a lot of finger pointing and criticism. We don't have time for that. We, we really do have to stick together and uh, help each other out, um, you know, while, while standing six feet apart from each other. That's it. Thank you uh, for all the hardworking people here at Uncorking a Story. I'm Mike Carlin saying until next time.